Welcome to What's Your Plan, a podcast dedicated to offering D.C. residents and their families resources and solutions to one of society's biggest challenges, the caregiving and long-term care crisis. Here's your host, long-term care specialist, Noel A. Evans. Hello, everyone, and welcome to What's Your Plan? I'm your host, Noel Evans. I'm a long-term care specialist, and I've been um, a specialist in long-term care professionally since about 2010. I got into the insurance industry in 2007, and like a lot of people, I didn't know what um, practice area I wanted to focus on, but due to personal experiences that I had with family, once I started looking at long-term care insurance with some colleagues, it really resonated. So since then, that's really all I do professionally, and I love it because um, I feel that truly what we do in this space can help people. And today, I'm really fortunate to have as my guest, Carol Golden. And I'll let Carol tell you about herself, but I wanted to first start out with um, asking Carol, how are you and where are you, Carol? I am good. I am definitely indoors because <laughs> I am in Tampa, Florida. Oh, wow. And we're looking at breaking a few heat records this week. That's, so. yeah, that's same here in D.C., although we've been pretty lucky that we've had some pretty mild weather up until the past couple of days. So, Carol, tell us about why you do what you do and, and what you do, because most people don't know that yet. But really, I like to share those personal experiences as what made you get into the uh, long-term care and caregiving specialty. Okay. Well, actually, Noel, I started out as a translator. Oh, wow. Um, I learned, uh, I was living in France, so I managed to get a handle on French. And then uh, was working with an estate planning firm. And it took me to a lot of different countries. And I learned that we're all kind of the same, no matter what language, no matter whatever, we all care about family, we all care about our futures. And then I, I got tired of traveling and decided that I would work in the financial planning area. That work led me to looking into what's missing if a plan blows up and one of ours did, and then the tax consequences, the family discord, it, it made me feel totally unprofessional. So I started, like you, to find my way to specializing in long-term care, extended care, but it's specifically on what happens psychologically, physically, and financially when there's an event. And there's always an event. Yep. And I think that brings me to one of my um, favorite people, First Lady Rosalind Carter, who has a wonderful foundation for caregiving. And her quote, to paraphrase it is, at some point in your life, you're going to be a caregiver, you're going to receive care, you're going to coordinate caregiving, right? And, and that's really what we all are looking to, to bring awareness to, Carol. Why don't you tell us about your book, which I've read several times and love so much because it really distills us down to that personal conversation and um, about you know why families really need to address this. So, Carol, tell us a little bit about your book. Well, the first book I wrote... I wrote for financial advisors. I call it my COVID book. Yeah. We were all closed in. And I thought many advisors and agents don't talk about this because it's a complex topic. 
So I tried to, I think there's 92 or 93 footnotes in the first book. So if you were looking at a topic, you could find some resources mm-hmm. to make you more comfortable, contact people who did know about it. What happened was some of the financial advisors came back to me and said, you know, I would love to send something like this to my client. Thinking about what you said, no, this is always a family affair. It doesn't matter how you define family. That's right. This is a family affair. So I thought if I wrote a book without all the negative press that we so often hear, the very sad stories, the very challenging physical stories, I I wrote a book about a four-generational family and why they needed to do this together. And I had a good friend, uh, Betty Meredith, who said to me, you know, you are such a planner. Not everybody is such a planner. So develop three steps, Carol. Give us a a guide that we can use, turn upside down, personalize, interpret. And that led me to just telling the story of the Jones family and the challenges they faced and how they were going to overcome even starting the conversation. And I think that's really, for many people, that's the hardest thing. And and why do you think it is so hard for many people to start that conversation who aren't inherently planners? And, you know, in many areas of their life, they don't procrastinate, right? You know, they've got homeowner's insurance. They've got life insurance. They've got all the other, you know, all very important pieces of your planning. But why do you think it's so hard to begin this conversation? Because it's so personal. First of all, just generally speaking, Noel, I think you'll agree with me that we are a very youth-oriented society, okay? So when you say to someone, well, what is your plan if you need help? That doesn't start things off on a really great note. Trying to project people into uh, an age that uh, psychologically, I understand most of us Find a number, we associate that with ourselves, and we never age beyond it consciously, you know, that sort of thing. We might be able to say, well, I'm X, but subconsciously, we still still feel that we're Y. So uh, what I tried to do in working with agents and advisors and carriers over my career was say, um, if you had to do this with your family, where would you start? And since that's the big challenge, I thought, well, if I write a book and I say to you, you know, Noel, who are you in this book? Are you Jody the caregiver? Are you the dad who doesn't want to discuss anything personal with the rest of the family? He didn't grow up that way. Are you the son who is looking at this and saying, why is my mother becoming a wreck? she's not taken her promotion. She stopped eating. What's going on? Uh She keeps running over to grandma's house. So it permeates a family. It does. And right. And focusing on one person, that's not going to get you there. Right. And I think that's so important. I also do think it's important, Carol, because 
you know, in my experience, so many people often associate long-term care with you're going to be in your 80s in a nursing home. And that's really not the case anymore. Um, in fact, you know, many people who receive long-term care benefits through their insurance or without insurance, frankly, are young. I mean, you can, there are, there are so many different conditions that can lead to a caregiving and long-term care event, right? And that's one of the things I like about your book so much is that it talks about that intergenerational impacts. And um, I don't have the statistics handy, but, you know, one in four caregivers these days are millennials. So they're juggling, you know, careers and they're juggling families and relationships. Let's talk a little bit about that in terms of, you know, the, the sandwich generation, the working caregiver. But let's lead into your three steps, which I think are really just great because they give you that roadmap. Right. Well, let's just say that in order to start the conversation, I kept thinking, what do, fa- what do families value? Well, they value their history. They value their photos. They value all the positives. And in the book, I call it the unnamed phase of retirement. That's the one we don't talk about. You retire, you travel, you retire, you move. But at some point, you morph into, you know, I kind of like to stay around a little bit more, be part of the community. But then there's that final phase. And we don't talk about that. And that's okay. We have to get there. So step one in the book, by the way, no, you can use any order you want. Right. You, okay. So for the care guide, there are terrific apps out there that allow you to gather this information. Uh, Grandpa, for example, in the book says, you know what? Um, I've been doing this for grandma and I my whole life. Why now all of a sudden? It's the granddaughter who says to him, but you know, Grandpa, you just said you want to be in control, right? He said, I am in control. And I'm going to stay that way. And she said, yeah, but grandpa, if something happened to you, how do you think grandma would handle things? Would it fall to my mom? It probably would. So that means you're not in control anymore because we don't know what you want. Right. And we don't know your passwords. We don't know if you have a will. And grandpa said, oh, Um, then The son, who is a Gen Xer, says, you know what, Grandpa, each one of us is going to do this care guide, and we're going to build over the years. So we're not singling you out. This is a family project, and we'll all go at our own pace and so on and so forth. Grandpa won't use an app. He doesn't trust it. He said, oh, they'll have my password. So we suggest that he put it in an envelope, seal it, and tell somebody where to access it. Um, as I said, the other generations, the app's really the way to go. Key to it, though, is when Jody says, you know, Dad, we're not going to access this because in the app, uh, especially the one that I use, you you cannot access it until there is a trigger. Right. And then the person gets permission. So Grandpa, who was absolutely not going to do it, has now started to see, oh, you mean we're going to put photos in there? Well, sure. I don't think I remember what your dad looked like. Right. She's still got a photo. We can scan it in. So you know what happens here with the first step? It's, it's easing into starting the conversation 
without saying, oh, you know, you're going to get old and you're going to be an issue for us. You've, yeah. you've gone the other way. You're not dealing with the negative, the positive. The second step is the care squad. That came about because in my personal experience, not everybody in a family wants to participate sure. when caregiving comes up. What are some reasons for that, Carol? I mean, you know, I think a lot of us, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm 55 this year, so my experience is a little bit different than some people. But growing up, you know, I remember having um, cousins who lived with uh, grandparents and, and, you know, we were a little bit of a different society in that way. Now people are spread out and they have careers and so the, I think that's one one impediment to this planning. But what do, what's your what are your thoughts on that, Carol? Well, the second step or another step mm-hmm. is called the care squad. And suppose the care guide doesn't come off. What else could you do? Well, the care squad says, "Gee, no, you don't live anywhere near mom and dad, and I, as your sister, I'm going to have to do all of this." Well. I don't know whether resentment bubbles up, but over time, it will. So it's a very simple grid in the book. And it says, okay, Noel, since you're not physically here, you can handle the electronic billing or something that they can do. Now, obviously, you look at a person's schedule and you say, listen, what will work for you? We've taken the, oh, you don't want to help? argument and resentment, we've turned it around and said, what will work for you? It's a more inclusive because the minute you get exclusive, which happened to me in my husband's family, everybody stops speaking. There's a lot of tension. So from that experience, I thought, why don't I just ask? Let's look at what happened in the book. How did they work it out? Their son has two jobs and two children. He cannot attend all of these planning meetings and everything. I think that's great. I think you take notes. You share the notes. You make people feel part of the planning. You look at solutions that work for a Gen Xer, not just for everybody else. So it's a very practical approach Without saying to grandpa and grandma, I don't know about you guys. Right. And it's basically psychology, right? It's removing that you know, that natural resistance, these conversations. And I, I think that's right. what's really great about it. So let's talk about your next the next step, Carol. The care planning team. I think as long as you're looking at solutions in the book, I went through 15 solutions. Why? Because most people think we're trying to sell them something. Right. They don't know one, do I qualify? Uh-huh. Two, can I afford it? Three, will it be there if I need it? So I looked at all those sorts of objections and upsetting aspects of finding solutions and I thought, why don't we talk about different options uh, for the for the son hasn't got two cents to rub together extra. We looked at term insurance with an endorsement. And I have found lots of people didn't even know about that. Sure. The new reverse mortgage, which is called a HECM. Yep. Uh, Repositioning life insurance for business owners who no longer need it because they're retiring, but they do need 
insurance. Absolutely. So I really feel that in a care planning team, this is the role of the advisor, or even if it's a faith-based person, yep. to moderate, to mediate, to help say, wow, this is interesting. She said you can use an HSA to pay premiums after you retire in case you're worried that when you retire, those premiums could become difficult. So I tried to weave into the care planning team practical ways for your budget, for your family members. I mean, the whole book is is an attempt to say, who are you in here? You see, there is a way to handle this without it being negative, scary, and upsetting. And you just have to kind of Pick whatever step, get started, figure out whether you have leadership in the family or whether it's your agent, your advisor, and um, get into this conversation. I think that's, but it has to has to lead to a plan, Noel. I agree, and I, and I think that's great. And, you know, one of the things as a long-term care insurance specialist who tries not to bring up long-term care insurance too much because it's, you know, so complicated. But what I love about what you just said, Carol, is that there are a lot of people who will be listening to this podcast, hopefully, who are going to say, wow, I've got life insurance. Maybe I've had a life insurance with that's got built up a lot of cash value. I've got a health savings account through my employer. I didn't know I could use that health savings account to pay my long-term care insurance premium should I have it. And so those are just, I think, really important pieces in that the purpose of this conversation with you, Carol, and, and my podcast in general is that anyone listening to this can walk away with at least one idea, right? So you're going to have a big audience. When you were researching your book, I'm kind of intrigued about um, how did you feel that younger people approach this conversation differently from their parents or grandparents? Did you come across that at all? Absolutely. In the book, for example, when Jody gets her parents settled, she says to her husband, Jackson, you know, I, I never want the kids to go through what I went through. I passed up a promotion. I put money aside, didn't invest it. My health really started to be impacted. Is is that something I want to do? Now, statistically, Noel, I understand from our industry that after you have an experience with someone, it takes you about two years right. to, to come around to doing something for yourself. And so her husband said, well, what are you saying here, Jody?" And she said, I want to redo. I want to ask the kids if we could just do what our plans are. Now, we're young, we're healthy, you know. Um, the kids don't want to do it. At first, they panic and say, uh-oh, how much of an impact did this have on you, mom? Is there something you're not telling us? Right. You're sick, right? We're really worried. And so she realizes she has to explain to them that they're insurable. The grandparents were not insurable. Yep. They have the resources now. They, they don't know what they want. So they make a list of all the insurances that they have, why they have them. Do they still need them? Should some of them be replaced? There's a whole section on the 1035 exchanges mm-hmm. and the pros and the cons. So... I think for the most part, 
you don't need as robust a second time through. But I think the kids started to realize that, okay, mom and dad are going to do this. And kind of, maybe I should think about what works for me. I don't have to do this yet. But the fact is, you, I, and our entire industry would like this whole topic to become much more mainstream, much more comfortable, something that you can talk to a 45-year-old. I had a call the other day from someone who said, you know, I'm 46. Am I too late? I said, no. <laughs> I love that. No. But first you have to tell me, what what are you trying to achieve here? Yep. I, when they come I, to us, Noel, you know that there's <laughs> yes, totally. And, and you know, it's, I think that's so interesting because, Carol, when I first started in, in this career in 2007, and it was a completely different landscape for, our, for the long-term care insurance industry, certainly. We had so many more carriers and options, right? I had clients who were often doing this in their late 60s, early 70s, and now I think that's really changed, too. My average client really is much younger, um, early 40s, um, early 50s. And if they're looking at this coverage through their employer, then even much younger. But I think what's important about your book is that it addresses this plan for everyone. And, and one of the things I really look to accomplish on this podcast is looking at what are the resources that are available for people who maybe don't have the money to um, certainly self-fund this because cost of care is incredibly expensive and growing, or even to buy traditional long-term care insurance. So without getting too deep into that insurance conversation, what are some resources you found? And I really loved what you mentioned about apps and technology because I'm going to do a whole podcast on that one day. But what are some, you know, some, some simple resources that anyone listening today wherever they are, Washington, D.C., Tampa, Florida, Omaha, Nebraska, wherever, that they can utilize? Well, one of the things I think is interesting is, you know, I like to say that knowledge is a powerful tool. So you can find out about almost anything that you want to now. But for some reason, when people are looking at services and supports they don't think about local yep you know they go oh i have to take mom to the doctor i'm going to have to take three quarters of the day off and then there's a sitting and they're doing there's great shortages of medical help and Mm -hmm. so on and so forth and so they they don't think that their county might provide a transport now we have telemedicine so when the person goes into the doctor's office, the doctor brings up the telemedicine and it's a three-way conversation. Right. You've taken an hour out of your day, not six hours out of your day, excuse me. Sure. So uh, technology, not only as a resource to help you do planning, but on a daily basis, how are these resources that your city, your county, your state have? Uh, so few people actually access them. And then all the confusion that's out there. I like to say to people, did you ever ask yourself, what if? Oh, well, you know, there's Medicare. There's, I said, how much do you know about Medicare? Right. Have you ever visited a Medicaid facility? Right. No. You, 
you might want to do that and then decide if that's really what is your plan. That's great. And, you know, one of the things that I did before I even began uh, my podcast and my research was I looked at Washington, D.C., and and pretty much every zip code had a resource, whether it was through um, a church, a synagogue, a mosque, or whether it was through— um, you know, lots of lots of different community services, uh, public speaking events at libraries, um, you know, assisted living facilities that have uh, lunch and learns, which have kind of returned now in the post-COVID world. Um, D.C.'s got a phenomenal Department of Aging that has just a huge depth of services that anybody can really access. And you don't and most of them are free. And let's, let's step back real quick and talk about that Medicare myth, because I know people who are listening to this are going to think to themselves, oh, my Medicare is going to pay for long-term care. No, it doesn't, right? Very limited situation for that. And we could do a whole podcast on Medicare and, and the, the, you know, the myths and the realities of that. So this is what I love about your book and this conversation is that so many people just don't know, and they don't know where to start, and your book gives them that you know, guide. Um, what was the biggest thing that surprised you in your research? I mean, you know, look, you, you have been doing this for a long time. I've been doing this a long time. Mm-hmm. But I'm always finding things that you know, surprise me in a good or, or negative way. What was one thing that you took away from your research that surprised you? Hmm. I think what really surprised me was feedback from some of the readers who said things like, thank you, I'm sending this book to my sister. (laughs) Right, right. And um, others who said, uh, when when I was at a conference and I had finished talking about this, several of them came up and said to me, I never heard anything like that. I mean, I, I thought it was always doom and gloom. Right. I said, no. We're trying to put a light on it so that it is just part of your planning, especially the financial stability. I think you made a good point, Noel. There are a lot of free resources, but you also are going to have costs. Yep. Oh, sorry. No problem. And what you need to do is make sure that the burden of those costs don't become unmanageable. For your own sake and your own pride. Sure. Um, I think I think what surprised me was how many people avoided the planning because they thought it put one foot in the grave or something like that. And what my message in the book was, to the contrary, it means the family and you, you now know the what works for us as a family and the whole idea that you can talk about it, you can update it. It's no longer what I call the taboo topic. Yep. Because you don't have to do something immediately. Knowledge is a powerful tool. I absolutely agree. And, I, and one of the things I always try to talk about with my clients or here on the podcast is that this type of planning actually gives people a lot of relief, right? I mean, once they've done some of this planning, they have, you know, peace of mind. And and in my opinion, the most important part of this planning, however you go about it, is A, you're not planning in the middle of a crisis, right? Imagine that your house is on fire and you're looking for your homeowner's insurance, right? 
And B is you're letting your loved ones, your family be companions instead of caregivers. I run into this often where someone will say to me, and usually it's a, it's a woman, a daughter, who says, well, you know, caregiving is really noble work, and I, I owe that to my mom or dad or grandparent, whoever. And, and yes, it is noble work, but it's also tough work. It, it, you need someone who's trained. And so I love that concept of being a companion to someone, right? And if you have a plan in place, then you're able to rely on that plan kind of to, to do the heavy lifting, so we're, we're getting close to the end, Carol. I, I wanted to ask you, what would be the one thing outside of those steps, which I love, but one thing that anybody listening today, no matter their personal situation, who might be listening to this and saying, well, you know, this is a great conversation, but I'm still, I'm still just apprehensive or I still don't know what to do. What's one thing someone can do? to walk away from listening to our podcast or our conversation to take that first step or, or whatever it might be? Well, I would say that they should step back and rethink. I don't know what to do. I have been in situations where I don't know what to do. Normally, I would X. So maybe it's normally I'd ask my buddy. And if a buddy doesn't know, maybe another buddy, because the whole idea in the book, as you know, is they have friends yep. who become involved in this. So I think if you don't know what to do, the first thing you don't do is panic. Right. You can get the book. I have a website. I put information on that website. I'm available. You're available. Just say to yourself, I don't know what to do. That is great. So let me, let me ask around. <laughs> and that leads me to my final question, Carol. And again, thanks so much for your time, for joining me today. How can uh, those people listening today find you? I have a website, which is www.thecaringconversation.com. I love it. Great. Thank you. So, um, Carol, thank you so much. This was a, a wonderful conversation, and I look forward to talking to you uh, in the future. Thank you for having me, Noel. You're welcome. You've been listening to What's Your Plan with long-term care specialist Noel A. Evans. For more information, click the Programs tab and the What's Your Plan page at dcradio.gov.